El Salvador. Yes. Sam El Salvador exists. It is a nation in in Central America. Yes. It has a very large Jesus standing on a mountain. And it no, has, that's Rio. No, oh, that's, that's Rio. That's, no, that's, that's a, a, that's a very uh, large it nation. has a America. mountain. Just displaying the lack of geographical knowledge of typical United States uh, citizen. As a mountain. Once more unto the breach, dear friends. Else fill up the wall with our English dead. Good morning again, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, and welcome to another exciting episode, with air quotes around exciting. Oh, uh, it's exciting. Of The Personal Wealth Coach, starring Jake and, and, and Jeff. And Jeff McClure. We are McClure. both McClures, yes. Uh, this is The Personal Wealth Coach. We are here to hopefully enlighten and possibly befuddle. It is our job. We are economists. We are here to try to unconfuse, as most economists try to do, and in the process are more likely to confuse. But that's the fun of what we do. We've got some disclosures because what economists can start by ta telling you that everything we say is correct? Nope. Can't do it. Uh, so the first thing we're going to say is that everything we say comes from places that, that uh, no, you're going to say this one because I'll get it wrong. You want me to do that first? Yeah, go ahead with that one first. It's your favorite one. You can... It is. The information we present on this educational radio program, which is not investment advice, has been obtained from sources we deem to be reliable. However, we make no warranty or guarantee as to the accuracy or completeness of said information. Yay, I said it again. Perfect. Okay. So you went, you alluded to some of our disclosures because we're doing it out of order. You're alluding back to the fact that this is educational content and to direct. Are you accusing me of alluding? I am. Illusory. Illusory. Okay. At least you didn't start them all with the same letter because then that would be alliterative illusory speaking and that would be Ooh, weird. Oh, cool. Allowed to do that next time. Yeah. Uh, so he were he was alluding in his illusory fashion to uh, the other disclosures. One, this is educational. Well, what does that mean? Well, we got to go to another disclosure even before that. Uh, the personal wealth coach is also an SEC registered investment advisory firm. We are. That is the firm, the principles of which are on this radio program. And we're a very firm firm. Yes. Uh, we are not at all infirm in our firmness. Yes. Correct. Yes. Uh, it is not an infirmary. It is a firmary. <laughs> <laughs> I never thought of us as being a firmary, but that's what yes. we are. Yes. It, it is very clearly we are a firmary because it is not an infirmary. Um, so we give investment advice, just not on the air. Investment advice is a fiduciary thing. It falls under some fiduciary guidelines that are written into the United States law. Um, but just because we registered with the SEC doesn't mean that somehow they have anointed us with their pleasurable uh, regard. They don't have a pleasurable regard. They don't, it doesn't exist in their repertoire, or should I say it as Bugs Bunny does, repertoire. Um, That's it. The SEC doesn't give us a thumbs up. We're just registered with them. They are our regulatory organization. 
and we're not going to be giving investment advice on the air. There's privacy issues. There's we got to actually know everybody that's listening to us and stuff like that. So what are we going to do instead? Well, this was the illusory comment from earlier. It's an educational program. We do this program specifically. We often say, why do we do this? It's the same reason I spend so much money on other educational charities. Uh, we believe that the purest form of investment is education. And so we're hopefully investing in your brains at this very moment. Um, it, it could be. It, it might be happening. All right. So what happened in the market this week? Well, before we get to that, we got we have three questions waiting for us from before the program even started. So just know before the market. Yeah, okay, no, we're going to do the market, market first. Okay. I just want to let people know we've got them and we're going to be getting to them. Go ahead. Okay. Uh, the market. Yes, the market happened this week and there was trading of stocks, bonds, and other stuff on the market. Right. All that week. wraps up the news on the market. And now on to weather. This week, the sun came up in the morning and went down in the evening. And now on to traffic. Cars were driving oh. this week, all week. Ah, okay. The stock market. Uh, we follow the S&P 500 stock index. And I've had a couple of questions as to why from time to time. There's a lot of indices or indexes, depending on how you wish to pluralize index. All right. So indices. Any back Back to the actual market. We follow the S&P 500 stock index because it is widely disseminated and it's not the Dow Jones, Dow Jones Industrial Average, which is even more widely disseminated. The information on it, however, the Dow Jones Industrial Average is only 30 stocks. And sometimes it goes one way and the rest of the market goes the other. So we go with the S&P 500 stock index with all its warts and pimples. And it has lots of warts and pimples we can talk about anyway. They need Big Pharma to approach the S&P 500 for its acne and wart yeah. problem. Yes. it was. It closed out the week at 4458.58. For those of you who keep up with the numbers, that's down 1.69%, or if you want to round it to 1.7 from last week's record high. Actually, it hit a record high on Monday, too, but then it started down. Year to date, it is up 18.7%, which is amazing. Uh, from what was probably considered to be, at the time, a fair value at the beginning of the year, it's risen 18.7%. It's still, by many people, considered to be in the fair value range. Some people consider it overvalued, but it's doubled almost from its bottom in March 2020. It actually went up to 102% last week rise, and it's down to 98.9 or something like that this week. So it's roughly a double from last week's record high, or from, I'm sorry, from the bottom in March 2020. So if you got out in March 2020 and you're waiting for the market to fall back further so you can get in, I think you may have missed your opportunity. That's just a thought. May or may not be true. Anyway, so the it's actually good news. What is that what we is had a one point seven one point seven percent drop because all the major investment banks, that's Goldman Sachs and uh JP Morgan and Credit Suisse, Swiss Suisse, Suisse. All those guys, you know, all the big guys yeah. came out and said, guess what? The market's overpriced, we're gonna have a correction. Now, there they were must times, have been listening to our radio program because we've been saying it for a couple of weeks. Yeah. More right. than that, a month. Yeah. But they had some reasons for saying that, and we'll go into that when we talk about the economy. But a 1.7% decline in the face of all the major investment banks saying the market's overpriced and is due for a correction. They were all recommended that you unload some of your, if you're, they all recommended a lower weighting in stocks than they had recommended the week before. 
and the market only dropped 1.7%. That is an interesting reaction. Gold and Bitcoin also fell, which is, I, I mentioned this. People say, it's a great hedge against the, the, nope, it's not a hedge against anything. And here's, it, it also, it gets kind of interesting. The 10-year treasury note rose 7 point, the yield on the 10-year treasury wrote, note rose 7.6% to 1.335. That, that causes bond prices to drop too. Right. So we had so, bond prices drop, Bitcoin, gold. Depending on how long your duration is and in, in, if you're holding bonds. And if you don't know what duration is, we could go on. We could take an entire show explaining duration. But basically how volatile the bonds are you're holding as far as their market value. Yeah, how volatile they are if an interest rate change occurs how much does it change the value of your portfolio that's there's a mathematical computation that actually works it's called duration you can look it up yeah and it's also something that determines how long you can walk before you fall on your face that's the duration i can walk before i fall on my face the duration of a bond has nothing to do with the duration of before you fall on your face i think there's a relationship there but it probably deserves studying anyway yeah I, i think we need to spend some government money on a grant for that one you for do. sure. Yeah, absolutely. Okay. Good science. Anyway, with the interest rate rising to 1.335, that means that the bond prices fell too. Because bond prices fall when interest rates rise. Literally, all the major market indicators, all the various places you could go with your money, with the exception of aluminum and the dollar, fell this week. Which tells you something about this crazy situation we're in historically over the last 40 years or so if the stock market drive drops the bond market goes up if the bond market goes up the stock market drops so they have this inverse relationship which is why you may have heard this rule of thumb about a 60 40 portfolio or 60 percent of your of your money in stocks and 40 percent in bonds and because what happens that way is you get a reasonable return and you get a much smoother ride because bonds go up when stocks go down Duh. Ding, no longer, it doesn't work anymore. Hasn't worked for Quite the last some couple of years. Yeah. Which leaves portfolio management in a bit of a quandary and it takes a little bit of art to get into there. We've, yeah. We kind of anticipated this and we're kind of ahead of the power curve on it. But still, it is it is an interesting thing that we assume that because something has gone on for a while in the market, or let's say we collectively, the people who invest, there is this assumption that because something has gone on in the market for a while, correlations and non-correlations and things like that, that, okay, this is safe, we can do it this way. Yeah, there's, the, there's this feeling psychologically like whatever we've experienced is the way things are, and so that's yeah. what we should expect in the future. But it it's ain't not that way true. No yeah. We have an economy that's behaving oddly. We have, a markets, we have the markets behaving, I say oddly, the fundamentals are still there. If there is increased demand, the price will go up. If the supply doesn't go up with it. So, so the law of supply and command is still present and alive and well accounted for uh, in the market. And that's what drives the train. Anyway, the yield on the 10-year treasury did rise. Uh, West Texas Intermediate Crude Oil gained a whopping 0.55%. Now, to 69.62. And that's another interesting little tidbit. We had about 15% of the oil production in the United States is not producing right now. And we only had a very tiny increase in the price of gas, oil in general. Which means, had it not been for Hurricane Ida cutting off a lot of the supply and shutting down a lot of refineries, price of oil would have fallen probably. Yeah, it probably would have been pretty cheap. That and which is Ida may have been a 
boon for the oil industry. Or my our boondoggle is the case. Or it could be a boondoggle as well. Yeah. Yeah. But it's it's one of those things where we gotta watch this, but there's some things going on in the economy, but that's another subject. It we is got some economic news later on. But that's the market We're, as a whole. It is a whole. It is it is quite holy. Not in the in the religious sense, just that it has lots of holes in it. Yes, it does. M- much more like donuts than like um, I did, religion. I didn't mention that the CRSP mid cap value index joined in. It dropped two point one three percent. You notice it dropped more than the S P five hundred, which is supposed to because they're smaller stocks. Yeah, to twenty four fifty nine. But here's the important thing: it's still up nineteen point eight four percent year to date, which means so far this year it's risen more than the S and P five hundred. We kind of track that because it's. The, the S&P 500 is dominated by large cap growth stocks and the CRSP mid cap value index is an indicator where the other corner of the S&P 500, the mid cap value stocks are going. We may be the only two people on the planet that track that particular index. We may be actually because well, finding that data, I have it now. I have a place where I get that data regularly because there's a lot of CRSP. There's actually like four mid cap value indexes from crsv they're very very similarly named they just have one two three and four after them so we're following this and most people aren't even aware of what we're talking about this is a pretty good representation of the mid-cap value companies in the s p 500 so it's pretty good for what we're using it for i wish we could get a, a mid-cap growth side and large-cap growth side of that as well to just fu- fully compare, but really don't need to because we can just take the top five companies in the S&P 500 and that's it. That's the growth side. Um, yeah. But we've got some questions waiting in the wings. Uh, one is on El Salvador, one is on China, and one is on the digital U.S. dollar. We probably ought to start with the first one that came in, which is El, El Salvador. Salvador. Yes. Sam. El Salvador exists. It is a nation in, in Central America. Yes. It has a very large Jesus standing on a mountain. And it no, has, that's Rio. No, that's Rio. It has a mountain. Just displaying the lack of geographical knowledge of typical United States uh, citizen. It has a mountain. It, ha- uh, it has um, a tree, at least, I, I know, I'll get that on right in trivia. It has a tree. Now, El Salvador uh, has been in the news this last couple of weeks, actually last couple of months, for something a little bit interesting, more than a little bit interesting, from my perspective, terrifying. What were you going to say? Okay, go ahead and tell me what's terrifying. It might be what I was going to say. It has nothing to do with the currency. Um, well, this is the thing that I, I was going to talk about the currency, and that is that they well, switched to Bitcoin, but you have something else. El Salvador's economy is largely dominated by the drug trade. Yes. Not the pharmaceutical drug trade, the what we consider the illicit, illicit drug trade. Yes. Which ha- has a great deal of bearing on their announcement this week. I just wanted to say that there's a, there's, there's a really good reason that El Salvador chose to make Bitcoin an official currency. What, what they're doing is they're reinforcing their major industry. Their major right. industry is the drug trade, not big pharma. Well, that's a different kind of drug trade. It may be illicit too, but they do it legally. Uh, this is the illegal side. And 
guess what they get paid in in the United States and other places that they ship to? Just yes. Just a wild one. Come on. Come on. You can do it. Cigarettes. Toilet paper. No. no. Bitcoin. So this is, this is it. Um, that, I mean, it is pretty obvious there. And when you talk about El Salvador, that has to come in. It's very much like talking about the Taliban. It wouldn't surprise me if they go to a Bitcoin currency. It would, it would surprise me. They don't have enough computer generation to, but they will. They have lots of poppies. That is their major source of revenue. They are also in the licit and illicit drug trade. Uh, every time you get an opioid, you are likely supporting the Taliban in some way, whether it comes from a prescription pill bottle or you're hitting yourself with heroin. Um, it's probably from Afghanistan. Just that's, that is a baseline. So if they switch to the Bitcoin, you wouldn't say, well, maybe their economists are involved and they're having these very high-level conversations that they think that cryptocurrency is the future. No. It just allows them to transport their wealth home easily without paying uh, the wrong kind of tariffs or taxation on the exporting of the money that they're selling things elsewhere with. So just, just know that's the real thing. He also had a hypothetical. Once you convert your dollars to Bitcoin, aren't you then depending on the Bitcoin company to guarantee or maintain the value of the coin? Um, no. This, this is one of those things where the Bitcoin company, whether that's an exchange or not, is irrelevant in your purchase of the Bitcoin. You're generally not buying it from a company. They're facilitating the trade. Just like when you buy a stock, if, if you're buying a stock that isn't often traded, you're likely buying it from another individual owner, not a big company. Market makers can own a bunch of it. Coinbase has their own cryptocurrency am amounts that they can sell to you as well. But that's not what makes up the market in cryptocurrencies right now. Most, about 55 to 60% of the cryptocurrency market is Chinese. Uh, the Chinese are cracking down on that, but it was a method that uh, Chinese wealthy and those involved in the illicit trade in China too uh, were able to get their money overseas to buy things with, to sell things with, all of that. Uh, without the Chinese government being aware of it. Well, it's been pretty well cracked down on. It was the number one source for cryptocurrency mining for a long time. China was. China was. Um, what you're relying on in a Bitcoin to maintain its, its value is the same thing that you rely on for any currency, and that is the belief in the currency. There's no way that you can say that a currency is not based on belief. And you can go back to any point in history. As long as it's backed by something, then the reason why it's worth anything is the confidence that it's backed by something. In the Bitcoin, it's backed by a belief. In most governmental currencies, it's at least partially backed by the taxing potential of a country. El Salvador has just entered into a territory where it doesn't back its own currency. It doesn't need to because it's backed by the belief of everyone which means that El Salvador's currency is now based on the fluctuations in the Bitcoin market, and it has some big ones, which means at some point they'll be able to buy lots of stuff, and at some point they'll be able to buy not many things. And if there's a cryptographic explosion in technology and we get really good at encrypting things, all the Bitcoins become worthless. 
If you want to uh, know like more I, about that, we can talk off the air. El Salvador has previously, its official currency was the dollar. Yeah. And what happens is, what they basically said is, hey, we will allow and sanction conversion of cryptocurrencies to dollars, specifically Bitcoin to dollar, which has made their number one constituents, uh, the people who basically pay for their political campaigns, very happy. Yes. And that basically means that if if a drug lord or a drug cartel in El Salvador sells their drugs in the United States to somebody and they get paid in Bitcoin, they can instantly convert it to dollars in El Salvador and not break a law. Yep. And that's basically what happened in El Salvador. I know that's not in the news, but that's the reality of it. Yeah. And, and any economist would be able to tell you this. This is, if you look at the, who's paying for the research, that, and I'm using air quotes, by the way, you can't see that on the radio, uh, but it is on the air. I've got air quotes on the air, literal air quotes um, around yeah. economists doing research. They didn't have any, they, they didn't put forth great um, works on why this was a great idea to their legislature. They put forward some pretty basic uh, examples of Bitcoin and they voted on it. And now their currency, I mean, it's not like they gave something huge up. They had the dollar as their currency before. It's not like they it backed the currency then. So now they have two official currencies. They haven't given anything up. They've just made their biggest export more viable. Yeah, which is probably good for the economy of El Salvador yeah. in fashion. If they not had economists the that were looking at it, they would probably have said, uh, well, El Salvador, that's a pretty good idea for you. If you really just look at it without regard to laws of other countries or your own. But, um, well, guys, eh. what was fascinating to me is immediately after the announcement, the price of Bitcoin dropped 17%, which means a lot of Bitcoins got sold for dollars, which I think was really the purpose of the whole thing. Yeah. So there were a bunch of drug lords sitting in El Salvador, quite likely, that had loads of Bitcoins. And they said, oh, now we have loads of dollars. We're happy. Yeah, so uh, they got what they wanted. It may be that uh, they'll just have this in place. It's a nice money laundering um, setup. Now, the reality is that it's probably being exchanged through an American publicly traded company, which means the anonymity is going to go away if it hasn't already. Uh, this is the same country that enforced its regulations, the IRS regulations on banks in Switzerland. I do not believe that a publicly traded company based in San Francisco is going to be able to avoid letting the IRS know about U.S. citizen wealth that it's holding. So just expect that to become a normal thing in the future. Right now, you can semi-anonymously own Bitcoins. That will not be the case for long. Uh, it is just, you know, when, when they first came out, this is something that I talked about. We've been moving away from this, which is why there was a movement toward it. And a lot of the old uh, heist movies, they had something called bearer bonds. You certainly know this. This is the reason why they still, in the bond market, call it the coupon rate. What's the coupon rate? You're like, huh? coupons are you buying cereal at the grocery store with a clipping what is going on here no you used to have they didn't have a way of tracking who owned their bonds except that you had a piece of paper in your hand like a title for what you owned. there wasn't a common repository you showed up to get your interest payment 
by clipping off a coupon from the piece of paper and handing it over. There was no validity to your ID. There was nothing that said that you were the appropriate owner. So people in heist movies, believe it or not, went with the uh, anonymous currency where they said uh, bearer bonds and unmarked currency, like they're going to know if it's marked currency. There are no bearer bonds being issued anymore. It's against the law. Cash is a bearer bond. It really is. It's a bearer note uh, that you don't have to clip. Uh, If you clip it, that's called defacing currency. You can get in trouble for that. But all of that is is kind of like a, a long approach that that every major country in the world has been going because they're trying to protect their tax revenue. They don't want people dodging taxes. Whether or not that's good or bad is irrelevant. This is the trend that we're seeing. Um, and this is, many people say, it sounds like you're endorsing when we're just saying, this is the history and the long trend line. There's no endorsement there. It's just, this is how it's happened. So Bitcoin came out in that environment because bearer bonds are gone. And they say, well, we don't want the government to know everything that we own. Well, the government wants to know everything that you own. It's just, you got to admit that. At some point, you have to admit that they want to make sure that you're going to pay your taxes. You can wish otherwise. We can even make laws to the otherwise. But it is inherent in governments to want to protect their tax revenue. So just expect them to protect their tax revenue. Uh, and that's, that is the, the long of this, is that Bitcoins have a, an arduous uphill battle if they want to maintain an, an anonymity. Man, that was a lot of long words. You want to wrap up this hour? I don't think they are. Okay. Well, the stock market fell 1.7% roughly from last week, which is no big thing. Uh, The major banks came out, major investment banks came out and says we're due for a correction, which we've been saying for some time. The economy continues to grow. All indications seem that it's good. There's some economic bumps that we're encountering, which we'll talk about next hour. And other than that, we're in pretty good shape. We've got a good roll on. We still got a lot of cash and people are willing to spend it. However, there are some pretty strong indicators that the economic growth rate, now this is important, will decline in the third quarter. It won't be as high as it was in the second quarter, which was kind of off the charts. Yeah. We're still expecting to see really high numbers, but not as high as it would have been had we not had this Delta variant explosion in the middle of it. And the, and the Delta variant is still a serious threat. We're yeah. seeing anecdotal evidence as well as uh, statistical evidence that it is hurting the economy. Businesses are shutting down. A lot of things are, the hospitals are full. Yeah, This there, is a real threat at this point. In, in Central Texas, there is a 200-mile radius around where we live that every single hospital is reporting above 100% full. So don't get sick today. Drive safely. Take care of yourselves. <laughs> Please. Uh, it's not a good time to go to the hospital. It's never a good time to go to the hospital, but sometimes are better than others. And we're about out of time for this hour. If you'd like to join us next hour, you are welcome to. Well, 
as welcome as EcoBabble ever is. If you would like to talk to us off the air, however, we actually do give fiduciary investment advice and portfolio management to people of high net worth, to trusts and foundations and 401ks and things like that. Um, our firm's phone number locally is voicemail during the weekend. Real live people during the week is... 254-947-1111. You can reach that line toll-free at 1-800-914-7526. That's 800-914-PLAN. You can go to our webpage, thepersonalwealthcoach.com or tpwc.com, where we have recordings of the radio program. You can also go to podcast providers for that. Just look for TPWC. On our webpage, you'll also find newsletters. You can sign up for the newsletter. You can read the newsletter there. You can contact us through the contact form or jeff at tpwc.com or jake at tpwc.com. Until next hour, this has been The Personal Wealth Coach.